You know, I've, I've often wondered how they come up with these dates on the calendar. You know, because Easter shifts pretty much every year, therefore so does Pentecost. So just a little bit of <clears throat> head knowledge for you, a little bit of theology. Pentecost is calculated and observed on the seventh Sunday, or the seventh Sabbath in the Hebrew faith, after Easter, or ten days after the ascension of Jesus. And so that's how come we've come to Pentecost Sunday on the 5th of June, because we are 50 days. Pentecost literally means 50. So we are 50 days since Easter. Already. <laughs> Already. But it's also what's phenomenal about Pentecost Sunday is it's actually the church's birthday. This is accounted as the birthplace or the birthday of the church, which is pretty flippin' exciting. I don't think we could find enough candles to go on the cake. <laughs> It'd be at least 2,000. You know what? Let's find the candles. Let's just make a cake big enough to hold them all. <laughs> who's in for lots of cake? <clears throat> if you don't know who I am, you're visiting with us this morning. My name's Tom, and this is my amazing wife, Suzanne. We have the incredible honor and privilege of pastoring here at Elam Christian Center. We just love this place. Been here a long time. 40 years for Suze. Yeah, so we're older than the carpet, babe. Sorry, I know that just inspires you a whole lot right there. <laughs> you know, yeah, carry on. This day is such an important part of our Christian faith, Pentecost Sunday. This month of June, we're going to, it's so important, in actual fact, the whole thing about the Holy Spirit is so important that we are actually going to take the whole month of June to unpack this. And we've titled our June series, The Advocate. In John chapter 14, verse 26, it says this, But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. What is an Advocate? An Advocate is one of your greatest supporters. He goes before you and prepares. He's like, he's like the presidential welcome party. He goes before you, he hangs around long after you, he walks beside you, he is your supporter, your biggest fan. He also calls you into line when you're stepping out of line. He's your teacher, he's your guide, he's your ever-present wisdom. I mean, anybody, how can we literally live without the advocate? But people do. We know that when we are born again, when we become believers, God gives us the Holy Spirit as a gift. And births within us again our spiritual life. However, just like at birth, when we have legs, it doesn't mean that we can walk immediately. So too, walking in the Holy Spirit doesn't come automatically with our spiritual birth. We have to learn how to walk. Our first steps are shaky and unsteady, and no doubt we fall. We rely on those who are good at walking to train us and to be patient with us. That is the other thing that the Holy Spirit is immeasurably patient. But you know what? I just, I've just got this note in my notes here. You know, when I started putting this together, I started with 20 pages of notes. I hope you brought a picnic lunch with you this morning. No, 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 it's okay. I've refined them down. But you know, when we're learning to walk, I just have had this wonder for a long time. As mums and dads, do we actually teach our kids how to fear? Some say no, some say yes. When our littlies are learning to walk and you know, they do that whole classic Thunderbirds thing, you know, the old 
like this, and they fall over, and we go, and we jump up, and we fuss, and we bother, and everything, but they giggle. And so they get up, and they think, this is fun, and then they fall over again. We've forgotten how to fall as adults. There's actually nothing funny or nice about when you see an adult fall, unless it's an all-black hitting an Australian and a full tackle. Oh, um, <laughs> or a South African. Oh, um, <laughs> I just lost a third of the congregation right there. <laughs> but, you know, they, they learn that we, we learn by making mistakes. They learn how to get their balance because they lose their balance. And... I've got a story of, of um, my, one of my sons, if they fell over, <clears throat> I don't know, some would say, you're a harsh dad, but the first thing I'd do is I'd pick them up and I'd look for blood. And then I'd brush them off and go, you're fine, off you go, if there was no blood. And there was one day when one of my sons was careering down the footpath, and for some reason, this property, their Toby tap, was half on and half off of their property, so the fence and the footpath, and there was this very great hole in the footpath with no cover on it. And my son is in full sprint down the footpath and foot in hole, human tumbleweed down the footpath. And I'd picked him up and brushed him off so many times that he was so sore, he was screaming at a decibel that only dogs could hear, but you knew he was in pain because it looked like this. And when he finally got his breath, he looked at me and he goes, he goes, Daddy, can you... Brush me off. So I brushed him off and off he went down the footpath again. That's my boy. That's my boy. Do we teach our kids how to fear? Do we, we create fear in our kids from stepping out? And I wonder if over the course of history, the church has done exactly that when it comes to things of the Holy Spirit. Today, natural walking comes naturally, but not so with the Holy Spirit. You see, all Christians have the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit doesn't have all Christians. I just let that sink in. <laughs> As believers, all believers receive the Holy Spirit at salvation, but the filling and the active indwelling of the Holy Spirit comes to the believer and when they come to a point of complete and total surrender of everything and anything to God. So, like I said, this, this is so important. I, I've just known that we've had to do this series. I've known this for months. And so, for the next four Sundays, you're going to have four different speakers teaching on different aspects of the Holy Spirit. We've got myself today, we've got Amber next week, then we've got Julian the week after, and then we've got a guest speaker at the end of the month, Mike Burrows, who also actually lectures on the Holy Spirit in an intern training school for another church in, in New Zealand. And on that Saturday of that weekend, we're going to have a whole day of Holy Spirit activation workshops. And so we'll get the advertising out and the registration sheet out for that shortly. But if you're taking notes today, the title of this message is called The Day of the Advocate. Awareness, Acknowledgement and Access. So let's pray before we go any further. Father God, Lord, I thank you that you are present. By your word, we know you are present. There's two or more gathered in your name. But Holy Spirit, we don't just want head knowledge that you're present. We want the experience of your presence. Somehow, someway, grab hold of our lives in a fresh way. Help me to deliver these notes that I've gathered 
But even more than that, power of heaven, we give you access to our hearts and our minds, to our lives and our being in Jesus' name. Amen. See, in Acts chapter 3, we read the story of uh, uh, Peter and, and John going to the temple. Um, and they encountered a lame man sitting at the gate of the temple. This guy, his entire life, he was born with legs, but his legs were disabled. His entire life, he had either crawled or was carried. And every day, the scriptures say he was carried to the gate. He was laid at the gate to beg for money. He had legs, but they didn't work. This story parallels many, many believers they have the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is not necessarily functioning in their lives. They have a faith, but they operate in the natural. There is very little supernatural in their life, and, and most of their results come from hard natural work. But here's the thing. They don't deny the Holy Spirit. But they live without relying on Him and have no relationship with Him. I... Um, I encountered a, a, a very dear friend of mine who is, who is an ordained minister. And uh, we were conversing, we were having a bit of a conversation about something just a number of months ago. And uh, it was a situation where he and I were working on something. And at one point in that conversation, what we were doing on, there was a, there was a, a necessity for us to lay hands on, you know, put, a, put our hands on the shoulder of, of someone like this. And I said to him, I said, oh my goodness. What an opportunity just while you're there, while you put your hand on this unbeliever under your breath. Holy Spirit, go get him. You know what this ordained minister said to me? And he goes, oh, no, 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 that's you guys. I don't do that. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Now, he didn't deny the reality of the Holy Spirit, but he didn't rely on the Holy Spirit, and he had no relationship with the Holy Spirit. Lovely man, absolutely saved. Loves Jesus with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. But it ached my heart that there was a significant part of God that wasn't alive in him. If we don't walk with the Spirit, we walk in the flesh. We will toil in the flesh. We will run and grow weary. We will, sorry, we will run and grow tired. And we will walk and grow weary and faint. Where does that? That's Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. If you're struggling in your life right now, if you're weary and faint, how much are you waiting on the Holy Spirit? How much are you waiting on the Lord? Peter and John actually didn't give this man legs. If you know the story, they both. Oh, Peter said, look at us. In a commanding voice, and the guy got really excited because I think he probably thought he was going to get a good payout. Silver and gold we do not have, but what we do have, we give you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Immediately, the power of heaven brought healing to his legs, and the scriptures go on and say that he got up and he went leaping and praising into the house of God. Ooh. Would you cope this morning if someone suddenly started to leap and praise in the house of God. I'll let you answer that one for yourself. You see, I can't give you the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus who gives the Holy Spirit, but God can use this next month. And I want you to really think about this and lean into this, folks. Whether you're here on site or joining us online, this is 
just as real for you guys too. Over this next month, don't miss a Sunday. Regardless of what nation you're joining us from, God bless you for joining us, but don't miss a Sunday. Over this next month, this is what I'd like you to pray. Holy Spirit, quicken you to me. Wet my appetite for fellowship. Deepen my hunger for you. It's a bold prayer, but will you do it? See, there's a thing that comes, it's a question of belief. And you know what? We all have to struggle with this. We all have to wrestle with this whole thing about belief. Even the disciples who lived and breathed and walked and, and camped and probably toasted something that was equivalent to a Hebrew marshmallow over an open fire. Wherever they were, they hung out with Jesus for three straight years. But in Mark 16, there are, uh, I think it's three or four times in one chapter where even the disciples themselves did not believe. It was around when Jesus was risen. That unbelief was documented in verse 11 when Mary came back from the tomb and said, He's risen! And they didn't believe her. It was then documented two verses later in verse 13 when the two guys who was on the, they were on the road to Emmaus and they encountered Jesus, they came rushing back and said, He's alive! And the disciples said, We don't believe you. Jesus met almost all the disciples except for Thomas. Thomas rocks up and they said, Jesus is alive! And he goes, I don't believe you. Jesus rocks up in verse 14 and he's standing in their room with them and they're going, and he rebukes them for their unbelief. But what is so phenomenal? Verse 11, verse 13, verse 14. We don't believe, we don't believe, we don't believe. And then in verse 15, Jesus says to these unbelievers, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What just happened? What happened between verse 14 and verse 15? I'll tell you what happened. Well, actually, it's probably between verse 15 and verse 20, or 14 and verse 20. This is what happened. Then disciples went everywhere, preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. Wait a minute. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Jesus is standing in the room. Is that really you? And then they went out and they preached and they tipped the world on its ear, performing miraculous signs. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. Acts chapter 2 happened. The disciples walked out of unbelief and weakness and they encountered and were filled with the power of heaven to do what Jesus had commissioned them to do. Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit happened. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. This is a declaration from Jesus himself. But you shall receive power. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And if you've been a believer for any length of time, you've probably heard that preached. You've probably run out of fingers and toes a number of times. But do we do that? No, oh, no, I'm too scared to do that. Why are you too? I don't believe I'm supposed to do that. Lord, bring Acts chapter 2 here now, please. I'm going to swing between teach and preach this morning, okay? <laughs> I get it. I've been soaking in this for quite some time, and you're getting it fresh now. 
But I want you to take note. I've, I've literally, I'll, I'll show you, I've literally got it in big red and yellow on my notes. Please take note. If Jesus was born by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, was able to offer himself as a sacrifice and endure the cross by the Holy Spirit, how on earth are we going to do this faith thing without the Holy Spirit? I feel like I need to take my hair tie out so it can really go wild this morning. (laughs) Then I'll start looking like Albert Einstein. Come on, guys. I mean, if Jesus himself functioned and operated in the Holy Spirit, how do we do this without the Holy Spirit? There is nothing rusty, crusty, or dusty about this faith. It is real, it is now, it is powerful, and it's relevant. Three dimensions of the relationship of the Holy Spirit with us. Number one, the Holy Spirit is with us to bring salvation. The Holy Spirit is in us to bring sanctification. And then the Holy Spirit is upon us for service. He's in us for us. He's on us for you. When Jesus spoke to his disciples about the Holy Spirit, he said, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. <laughs> they probably had no clue that for three years, they thought they were just hanging out with Jesus. They're hanging out with the Holy Spirit. So, okay, so that's fine. So who is the Holy Spirit? Who is this? Who is the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit is, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, this may not be new to you. But the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is equal in power and equal in glory to both God the Father and God the Son, Jesus. We need to understand who the Holy Spirit is and how He functions. There are three important aspects to who the Holy Spirit is. First one, the Holy Spirit is a person. This one comes, it could come as a surprise to some people. However, just like Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, the Holy Spirit is fully God, but also functions with the attributes of a person. What are the three, th- three qualities that we have as human beings? We have a mind, we have emotion, we have will. Guess what? We can think, we can feel, we can choose. The Holy Spirit is no different. These three attributes. The Holy Spirit has a mind. In Romans chapter 8, verse 27, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The Holy Spirit has emotions. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. You know what? You can break the Holy Spirit's heart. None of us as humans like that. Imagine a broken heart on a supernatural divine scale. The Holy Spirit has a will. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. He gets to choose. So that's the first major aspect of who this Holy Spirit is. He's a person. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is God. He's not part God. He's fully God. He's not one third. He's complete. 
We believe there is one God. As a, as a Christian, that we believe in a triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All three existing equally in one. They are co-equal. They are co-glorious. They are co-powerful. And they are completely holy. And finally, the Holy Spirit is for today. When we take all of this and we put it against Scripture, we know by the word that it is correct. A good description for the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is the person of God here and now. In the Old Testament, we read how God himself, God the Father, was the one that was interacting with humanity right throughout the, whole te- the Old Testament. But actually, we also read how the Holy Spirit, the anointing of Christ, would come upon. And, and, and we also read how people in the Old Testament encountered was often referred to as the Son of Man or the Angel of the Lord. And it's, theologically, it's often depicted that that was Jesus himself. But actually, if it was Jesus himself, it was the Holy Spirit. It was also God the Father. They just encountered God. And then in the New Testament, we know Jesus came to earth as a human because of the necessity for a perfect, sinless sacrifice to pay the price of humanity's sin once and for all. But then Jesus said to the disciples, it is to your benefit that I go, because if I don't go, then the Father won't send. And so Jesus is not on earth today. We know by the word of God, he ascended to heaven, but he also sent the Holy Spirit. So who's God on earth today? The Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is God, but the Holy Spirit is also personal. The truth that the Holy Spirit is personal matters because it tells us that his actions are personal. His interactions are personal. For example, the Holy Spirit speaks, he intercedes, he teaches, he guides. John 14 verse 17 He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him. Why? Because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Jesus said that directly to the disciples because Acts chapter 2 had not yet happened. Now you might argue well, hang on a minute, didn't Jesus breathe on them and off they go and they, they, uh, they, you know, they did all sorts of miracles and they preached the gospel and then they came back to him? Yes, that did happen. But in my understanding of scriptures, that was not the indwelling, the infilling and the overflowing of the Holy Spirit. That was a breathed upon anointing from Jesus himself. They were given an anointing to go and do. It's like if you read the scriptures, every single one of you that declares Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior can prophesy under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But not every single one of you are called to be and hold and carry the office and the mantle of a prophet. That is a separate calling and a separate gifting and a separate mantling. We're designed to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit instead of just thinking we can treat Him as some sort of superpower to be harnessed. The Holy Spirit doesn't live in the, uh, what does the Iron Man have, a little arc reactor or whatever in his chest that powers up his super suit. That's not the Holy Spirit. He's not some supercharged lithium battery that we plug into when we need a zap. The Holy Spirit 
lives and breathes and is active, lives within our being and is upon our being. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he didn't leave us as followers alone. He sent his spirit. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would never leave us. He's always available. He's always there. Always giving us access to the loving, saving, healing, powerful presence of God. Should be our closest friend. If you've been around church for any length of time, you know that Jesus did miracles. I mean, wow. I mean, he did some, he did some stuff. Yeah, he raised the dead. He healed not just a sick person, but almost almost every sick person that rocked up. He delivered people from demons. He multiplied food. He had authority and he command over wind and waves. Have you ever wondered how he did those things? I have. Actually, one of the things that really kind of bakes my noodle is when Jesus himself said, and even greater things than these shall you do. I'm going, really? <laughs> There's actually a passage in the Scriptures in the Old Testament where, where it literally says that God said, He's going to do things that have never been seen on earth before. And I was like, really? That's going to both be terrifying and exciting all at the same time. <clears throat> yes, Jesus was God, is God. But there was, there was a secret behind His supernatural abilities. Was, was it just purely his divinity? What was the source of his power? The Gospels tell us that when Jesus was baptized in water, you know, John baptized him and it talks about a, the Holy Spirit descending on him in the shape of a dove. It, and, and this is another one of the scriptures that messes my head up. It says the Holy Spirit led him into the desert. What happened to Jesus in the desert? 40 days he got harassed by the devil. Holy Spirit led him there. Huh? Okay, please don't do that to me. <laughs> please. But then in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, it says at the end of that, in actual fact, it says the devil left him for a more opportune time. He ain't given up. That more opportune time was probably in the Garden of Gethsemane, but that's a whole other message. But in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, it says, When he returned from the temptation of the wilderness, filled with the Spirit's power. Why did Jesus, why was he able to do miracles? It's the Holy Spirit. Here's a parallel that, just run with me on this one. In today's day and age, if you go somewhere and there's no Wi-Fi, who starts to get twitchy? Every 15-year-old should put their hand up. If there's no Wi-Fi, who, who relies on Wi-Fi? Yeah, come on. The rest of you are lying. <laughs> you know what? Wi-Fi connects us to the world around us. It's our access to the worldwide system of information through platforms such as Google and Safari and all the others. Wi-Fi has almost become as important as electricity and air conditioning. Almost. In a parallel way, the Holy Spirit was Jesus' Wi-Fi. The Holy Spirit was Jesus' connection and his access 
to his Father in heaven. He literally says in John chapter 5, I'll only do what I see the Father doing and I'll only say what I hear the Father saying. How does he see and do and, and hear what the... The Holy Spirit. And how? Because the Scriptures say, and he will remind you of everything I have said. You know, I used to have a bit of an issue with that as a young believer. I was like, what? How can you remind me of everything you've said? Did I walk with you? I just, I just love the patience and the grace of Jesus for a numbskull like me. One day I was having this conversation yet again with Jesus in one of my quiet times. And it was like, it was like I heard this really loud but so gentle. What's in your hands, Tom? I said, it's my Bible. And it was like the Holy Spirit went, duh. <laughs> I will remind you of everything I've said. How do I know? Read the Bible. Mm, it's a clue, folks. When Jesus came to earth, the only thing that he had with him to help navigate the world's craziness was his relationship with the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit, get this, with the Holy Spirit, Jesus was able to fulfill every prophecy and live a perfect sinless life. Anybody want that job description? So today, the Holy Spirit is, as Christians, it's our only hope of fulfilling all the things that God has created us to do and to do them. Why do, I, why do I say that he's created us? to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. You are the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus, prepared for good works that he went beforehand and prepared for you, that you should do them. There is no reason for a believer in Jesus Christ to say, i got nothing to do. It's just contrary to the word of God. We need him not only to demonstrate God's supernatural power, but also... For us to know and learn and grow in the ability to love those around us the way Jesus wants us to love them. We need the Holy Spirit to live in obedience to God's word. To resist temptations. To fulfill our purposes. You know what? Here's another. I just want to drop this one on you this morning. It's impossible to be a true disciple of Jesus without a deep relationship with the Holy Spirit. It just ain't going to happen. It just sounds like too much hard work. I think there's a really strong lazy stream in me. I don't like hard work. Actually, you know what? Believing is not easy. Living a Christian's life is not easy. Even Jesus himself said, troubles you will have. The Apostle Paul says, encounter, you know, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. It's like, Thanks. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can. I mean, Romans chapter 8, verse 26 from the Passage Passion Translation says this. And in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words takes hold of us in our human frailty. Oh, man. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. When you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, Romans chapter 10, the finished work of Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection, on your behalf, 
The Holy Spirit takes up residence in your, in your being, in your spirit. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit's indwelling presence unites you to the Son so that in Him you receive the life and the love of the Father. In Acts chapter 17, verse 28, we live and move and have our being in the Holy Spirit, in Him. Worship team, would you come? Because of the Holy Spirit, we have the same power that raised Jesus from the grave. We have the authority to speak out against darkness, against fear, against sickness, against death. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's Him in us who makes us strong. It's Him in us who makes us brave. It's Him in us who gives us confidence. It's Him in us who gives us eyes to see a hopeful future. We will do the bridge of Holy Spirit. Let us become aware. It is Him in us who allows us not to worry. It is Him in us who gives us the tools to fight battles bigger than ourselves. It is Him in us who helps us to overcome darkness. It is Him in us who gives joy even in mourning. The Holy Spirit fills us with God's power, the power to live filled with life, with hope, and with purpose. And there's someone, someone joining us today. I, I, don't know, I don't know in my heart whether you're here on site or you're joining us online this morning, but that line right there is for you. The Holy Spirit fills us with God's power, the power to live with life, hope, and purpose. The very beginning of the church was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost. The outpouring and the indwelling and the overflowing of the very power of heaven. It's what makes the church the church. You know what? If I may be so bold, we don't have the Holy Spirit active in our lives and active in our church, then we're just a bunch of weirdos that come out early on a Sunday and sing songs. <laughs> but with the very poured out power of heaven, God on earth today, the Holy Spirit, we don't just re receive Him to experience more of Him. We actually receive Him so that we can represent Him more. Did you get that? We don't just receive Him to experience Him, but we receive Him to represent Him. To learn how to love like Him. To learn how to give like Him. To learn how to minister like Him. To learn how to reach out like Him. To learn how to encourage like Him. To learn how to care like Him. We receive Him to represent Him more.